Welcome everybody to the 19th episode of the Struggling Scientist podcast. This is a podcast by scientists, for scientists, anybody science adjacent and perhaps even hobbyists. My name is Susanna and I'm here with my co-host Jerome. Hi. Today we have an episode of our Cutting Edge Research series and we're going to talk about a very interesting paper. Um, the title of this paper is Mammalian Enteral Ventilation Ameliorates Respiratory Failure or as a lot of more popular science news sites call it, butt breathing. Let's start! So, it has already been a while since receiving this paper. This paper is from, when was it published, Jaron? Uh, that's a very good question, uh, Susie. <laughs> June, it was, uh, it was published in June. Um, and we saw it coming by and we were intrigued, I guess. Well, we, you saw it coming I, by. I and was intrigued, like, yes. Yeah. So as is sort of tradition in this um, cutting edge research uh, series, mm. I was intrigued and I made Jaron read it. Yes, even <laughs> though you're the gut person among us. I am not a gut person. I have Out one of the paper. Two of us, you you at least have evidence to suggest you are an expert in the gut. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But still I made Jaron read it. Yeah, but <laughs> Yes, so I read it. Yeah. Yep. And how do you feel now? I like I get like with with some <laughs> of these papers, right? Like you read it, you have zero prior knowledge as to like why. For uh -huh. example, with like that paper about the the plant scientist having a bias mm. and then you read the introduction like oh that actually makes sense like you know money there's only certain amounts of money and people have a bias towards a certain plant okay but this one i was like reading it it's like who why how <laughs> <laughs> why do we need this and then they sort of make like a case for it and then with like COVID, of course yeah but it's also yeah so like you're reading it it doesn't really pop out and then like i got all the way to the bottom of the thing and i was like yeah it's funded by the COVID 19 research i was like I sort of see it, but that's still not exactly the first place I would go when trying to deal with COVID-19 like at all. But okay, things work differently for other people, I guess. <laughs> yes, so we need butt breeding because of COVID. That, that's what I've gathered yeah, from this. Yeah, so their rationale is that there are only so many of these, like, sort, like with COVID-19, a lot of people suffer respiratory failure. Mm -hmm. Not only with COVID-19, but with uh, severe forms of asthma and other types of... Uh, yeah, breathing disorders uh, as well. So there are only a certain amount of respiratory systems available to help these people. Sure, and they all use the lungs, of course. Yes. So Logically, to be honest. Yes. Oh. <laughs> so it's known from like different animal species, non-mammal species, like louches and corridoras, for example, that... My favorite fish, to be honest. Yes. Um, that they can also... In, in periods of hypoxia, like an environment with uh, hypoxia or low O2, they can actually, well, let's just call it butt breathing. So they can actually repurpose their, their, their rectal area to take up more oxygen to sort of serve as a backup system to get oxygen in, essentially, because they have a very thin layer, a thin mucosal layer at their rectum. So sort of the O2 can diffuse easily in through the to the lumen and yeah get oxygenated oxygenated blood like that so uh, yeah. apparently 
it's already the, this, these kinds of studies have already been been performed since like the 1950s and onwards. Oh. So we've been busy with this apparently for a while. Okay. And these researchers wanted to use this EVA. I, I am reading the abstract here. Mm. <laughs> the anterior ventilation via anus. Yeah. To um, help. Yes. To see. Well, they wanted to see if a if it was really possible in in mammals. Mm-hmm. Um, so they use mice, rats, and pigs for this, but it's also dependent on which version of enteral ven- ventilation via anus. But let's just call it butt breathing. <laughs> <laughs> let's call it for what it is, <laughs> the, the layman term. Yes. Um, so you have the gaseous or the gas version of it where we'll get to it in a bit, but basically they just inject uh, yeah, O2 into the butt. I and, asked the G Eva. Yes. Uh, but as we'll get into in a bit, that's maybe not the most efficient way of doing it. Mm. So they also tried out a liquid ventilation method as well. So the, the L Ava. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Interesting. And uh, they did quite quite a lot of experiments that if you're going through just like the main the main text of the paper, you're getting lost often of like, okay, uh-huh, yeah. Oh, we, we skipped over the pigs already. Oh. At least that was my feeling. Yeah, they, they did quite a lot of different um, animals, I guess. Yeah. And a lot of different groups to optimize everything as well. So, okay. so I have obviously only read the abstract. Mm-hmm. So now we come to the part where I know nothing. Yeah. Tell me, what were they result, their results? So first they tried looking at... Uh, they, so if you go to, for example, their figure one, you'll see exactly what, how they do sort of this. They started out oh. with like the gas, uh, the GE... I don't a- like the pictures. No, there's a, there's a butt there. Mm-hmm. A mouse butt. <laughs> a mouse butt. With a clear illustration of this is the anus. And this is the brush. Oh, so... Yeah. For the gas to actually, for for the gas butt breathing weight to actually happen in mammals, uh-huh. the the they need to do some sort of abrasion to the thin mucosal the layer to actually allow it to happen. Otherwise, it's basically non. It's not going to happen. Okay. So they use this thing called an interdental brush, Ugh. and they also tried out a lot of different conditions. That's so literally the thing that you use as a toothpick. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So they said, I didn't need to know this. No, this is just their first figure. It gets uh, significantly worse for me. Figure 1A. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So they tested out whether, um, for so they tried both mechanical and chemical abrasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in B, you can see all their different groups, of which there were like uh, eight. Uh, for the chemical, they used like a DSS compound, I guess, which is also supposed to just abrade the, the thin mucosal layer. Um, and for the mechanical, they used this brush and they did mild, moderate, and a severe uh, abrasion using a brush. I'm not really sure. I guess they just flip it around in the anus. Yes. <laughs> scrape, scrape, scrape. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> There's scientific terms here. <laughs> so, yeah. So, after this, and then they uh, tried out this gas <laughs> version of butt breathing. Uh, yeah, okay, to... where they just pumped gas into the butt. Yes. Okay. Uh, and there you can see that the moderate mechanical abrasion with the brush had like a significant improvement in uh, oxygen yeah, pressure. That's what they measured to see if the oxygen actually got through. Okay, compared uh, to the control. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I see it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's that. Uh, okay. And 
they also perform survival experiments. Uh, in okay, so so they give these mice mm -hmm. hypoxia, right? They don't yes. give them enough oxygen, and then they give them oxygen via the butt, and then they see if these mice survive. Basically, they have a survival rate. Yes, yeah. So you and see a survival, uh, uh, yeah, curve in figure E. Mm -hmm. And there you can see like the control mice that didn't really receive anything. They sort of die out pretty quickly, like in the first 10 minutes or so. So uh, not great. Not great, no. The mice that received this sort of gas uh, O2 in the butt, but did not receive any abrasion, they survived like three times longer, but oh, yeah. they still end up dying. Mm -hmm. uh, but the mice that received the gas and the abrasion, they just continue living. Like 75% of them survive. Yes, which is a yeah, that's great improvement i guess yeah that's a life and death difference yeah yes so yeah you can really see they also do, uh, get the posterior intestine out of these mice and also stain them and you can really see like in figure c for example the normal posterior intestine um non-abraded if, if you will sort of a sham condition i guess I do, um, okay question yeah i see the mice there that i understand but what is the fish doing there well, I guess that's the, just the, the louch, right? That they're showing what its intestine looks like. Oh, uh, because the louch already does that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, they, they split it. You can, they segment the different things. So you can see, like, the anterior intestine, the middle intestine, the posterior intestine. And then they sort of see, show you the, mice, the mouse's uh, intestine non-abraded and abraded. And you can really see that the abraded looks uh, unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and, and, like, the stainings as well, you can see, like, the difference between, like, what the posterior intestine looks like when it's happy and abraded a little bit, like, really scraped off. Well, I, I believe them that they did a good job at abrasion. And, yes. Yeah, okay. By virtue of the mice surviving, <laughs> I think something must have happened. So, yeah. They, okay. They, uh, so, yeah, already survival, in, term, in terms of survival, you can clearly see that. They also measured the oxygen in the blood and it was different. Uh, but they also measure stuff like... Oh, they measured the oxygen in the blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, yes. Good. Yes. Uh, the partial pressure of the oxygen as well, like in the inferior vena cava, uh, they see that that's significantly different with the mice that got the abrasion and the gas uh, compared to the control groups. Uh, they also measure pH to see if something uh, happened differently there, but nothing differently happened. Uh, CO2 also wasn't significantly different. Um, so, Did yeah. Did they also look at anything like recovery of these mice? No, so this is just the first experiment to see like which which conditions are optimal for the gases okay. gas yeah, what version. Works, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, and they yeah briefly looked at CO two and pH and everything. What what changes? Okay. So this all seems to work, but then for some so this is the sort of the hard pivot. It's like okay, this works, but it's not really feasible in the clinic. So we have to completely switch to the liquid version. Well, I mean. I mean, I get that they probably were doing either both things simultaneously, like to see something must work, or maybe it was always the plan to check out both things. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, it doesn't seem that far-fetched. I mean, it doesn't seem fun. No, sure. But, but I mean, at the same time, I'm like, if you theorize that maybe the gas, even if the, like, the, the gas way would have worked, and but you already know it's like well we definitely cannot do this in the clinic then wouldn't you just sort of stick to trying out the liquid one i don't know that's that was one of my questions for this because now it's sort of a hard pivot to the liquid one where but it's why, like why do they think the first version won't work in the clinic because I mean, you need to abrade, abrade or... yeah you need to mechanically like grab a giant brush for yeah okay no. people and then the, yeah yes no no i i yeah no okay 
saving someone's life through uh that. Yeah, well, I mean, if it saves your life. No, sure, but I mean... But their recovery might also be um, harsh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they wanted to test out this liquid butt-breathing method instead. <laughs> um, so they used a compound that's already being used in the clinics for different things. So it's called perfluorocarbon, if I'm getting that name. No, sorry, perfluorodecalin, or PFD. Uh, and which they it, the reason they want to use it is because it's already approved for clinical use, mm-hmm. and it has a remarkable ability for uh, a m- remarkable capacity for O2 and CO2 absorbing. So they can you can basically like bubble O2 in it, and it will take up the O2, and then you can sort of just administer that into the mice rectum and test it out. Okay. Yes, all one milliliter of it into a mice. Into, into a, a tiny mouse. Yes. What? And so as well. Yeah, they also calculated what that would end up being for like humans. And I th- uh-huh. if I remember correctly, it was like 1.8 liters oh my God. <laughs> into a human <laughs> for like the same effect. So <laughs> oh, I don't know if I want to live like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then they just administer it. Yeah. So into the butt. Yeah, so they first have it bubble for like, I believe for the mouse, it was 45 minutes with like the uh, O2 gas. So then you have the oxygenated thing. And then uh, again, no, for the mice, then they just, yeah, administer it directly into the butt. But for these mice, they do a non-lethal hypoxemia sort of condition. So uh, according to their image and their text, about 10% uh, O2 in the air in this Mm -hmm. tiny chamber. So it's not really supposed to kill them. um, And especially not if they are getting this. Uh, and they also looked at how these mice are able to walk, and you can really see from the results that sham mice are basically not active at all. They're, you know, under hypoxemic conditions. Sham meaning control, right? Yes, yeah. they're just the control mice, okay. yeah. And then you see, like, the mice that get this uh, liquid injection uh, are walking way more. Okay. But I also see, like, a really clear difference yep. in SpO2, which is, I guess, the O2 in the blood? Yeah. Okay, but question, right? Yes. So they just administer this once, and yep. then it lasts them for well, at least 60 minutes, apparently. Yeah, so they, I believe in the materials and methods they talk, they didn't measure uh, after two hours. Yeah, and it's also here, the pH in the inferior vena cava at 120 minutes. Okay, so, well, interesting. Yes. So yeah, they, uh, they checked it out in uh, these mice, so the liquid one also works and works quite well. And mm-hmm. Can, maybe can be used in the clinics. Well, um, yeah, no abrasion needed. So that, yeah, that's exactly. good, I guess. And did these mice have any side effects like diarrhea or... Nope. So they, uh, but they also checked that out. Uh, so that's a separate experiment where they actually use rats as well as uh, pigs for. Okay. Um, and they looked at, for example, diarrhea or some other side effects as well, but they didn't really see uh, anything. But it in- did work. Good also in the reds and the and yes. pigs. Okay, and then it just increased the amount of fluid, I guess. Yeah. So oh, for the again, these pictures, not good. Which pictures are you talking about now? The... 3B. Oh, yeah, of course, yes. <laughs> That's the anema container, as they call it. Oh. Great stuff. Mm. Can you imagine just being the PhD who has to do this for like four years? Um, I mean, you will have some great stories for parties. Yes. <laughs> I am a butt expert. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. 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 We are very excited to be able to introduce you to our new sponsor, Jenny AI. 
Not only does Jenny make our podcast possible, it also makes our life as scientists so much easier. Jenny is an all-in-one writing assistant that has everything that we have been missing in other AI tools. Yes, first off, unlike other AI tools, it actually finds accurate information in papers and cites its sources. It does not make things up and only uses real verified information that you can then also check the source of. Second, it's a writing assistant trained for academic papers and helps you write your paper by suggesting the next sentence or the end of your sentence. Or, if you get really stuck, you can ask it to write an entire paragraph, completely removing the writer's block I so often struggle with when I don't know the right words to make my point. It helped me write an introduction to a paper I've been struggling with in half an hour. It even suggests which papers to cite. You can add your own library or search the entire internet for papers. Just type the add symbol to easily add a reference and it gets automatically added to the reference list. And the last thing we absolutely love is that it has an AI chatbot that can see your document and give feedback on how to improve your manuscript. Or you can ask it questions, such as what are the potential therapeutic benefits of dot dot dot, and it will search through the papers for you for the answer. I can only say that my stress level has gone down significantly since I started using Jenny. Check out the free version now at thestrugglingscientist.com slash Jenny. And if you love it, use the code SCIENCE20 for a 20% discount. But yes. I mean, you get you get a great paper out of it. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Especially so well-timed with Corona and everything. Yeah, I'm amazed they managed to get all of this done apparently for Corona. Yes. Okay, so do we know anything else with these pigs in the red? They just did the same thing, but then in other animals. Yeah, so... Um, with, Again, with the PFD, the perfluorodecalin. Yeah. yeah, so they just... For for these animals, they only use the, the liquid version. Uh, they yeah. measured that. Um, and had a higher uh, absolute volumes, of course, because bigger animals. Um, okay. And they also looked at, indeed, like the side effects in these, in these animals for diarrhea and dehydration. Uh, but uh, they saw no real side effects. Okay, and also uh, nothing long term, or did they did they? They check? didn't really measure long term. So I, um, at least from looking at the text, they checked like two days afterwards. Um, and they 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 also say that in their discussion that that was sort of a limitation of their their study that they could they only did it for like relatively short period of time. Mm. But you know these animals can do this thing, so. Okay, well, it it sounds great. Is there any any drawback to this? Is there like? I mean, I guess it would take some getting used to. <laughs> <laughs> I would still prefer to be on a ventilator if given the choice, but I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, I, this is <laughs> ventilators are also not fun because you need to be intubated and stuff, and this is not good. No fair. I mean, not, no version seems great. Um, and I guess it's just, you know, what we're logically or, you know, conditioned to be okay with. Uh-huh. But there's no safety problems or side effect known yet. Well, from this one study, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because the side effects, they didn't really measure any long, long-term things. Like mm-hmm. they looked at the hematocrit, hematocrit levels, hemoglobin, platelets, leukocytes. Nothing was really different. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. if, if you can use this to keep a person alive, alive yeah. if their lungs are really, mm. really failing, I mm. mean, it's great. Yeah. Although I wonder, I do wonder how long you, the one sort of administration of liquid O2 um, or liquid PFD really last because now we yeah. sort of measure two hours and then check yeah, and back. can you replace it then you know yeah uh, do you need like two every two hours another administration 
Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, like it can be used for, for example, um, as they say in the discussion, bron bronchial asthma attacks, airway stenosis, neonatal asphyxia, and any acute respiratory failure. So it's not just re restricted to just no, COVID uh, people, not. obviously. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we can laugh all we want about the butt breathing, but in the end, it's pretty cool. Yeah. They, and I mean, uh, they, it is really still fascinating that this sort of, well, maybe not really a mechanism. It requires a little bit of uh, extra effort to get it to work sort of even remotely close to what it is, does in louches and corridoras, for example. Mm -hmm. But they do see, at least on gene expression level, for example, VGFA and um, what was the other one? Unsa1 go up. And those are also uh, expressed higher in these louches and um, mm. corridoras when they need to switch to this, yeah, butt breathing method. So there's some sort of correlation there and seems to work at least to keep the mice alive. So that's already quite big. Yeah. Thing. And I mean, 75% instead of zero. That's, that's yeah, a that's good difference. Uh, yeah. Sort of also indefinite, right? Because this sort of, the graph goes up to 3000 seconds, which is what, 50 minutes? Yeah, 50 minutes mm -hmm. versus immediately dying in the first 10 minutes. So that's, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a pretty significant that's difference. A pretty, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Yeah, but no, it's, uh, I don't know, I sort of put this on the same level as uh, fecal matter transplants yet, I guess, for me, like, how did we arrive at this? But I'm like, okay, it does something. Yeah. Wouldn't have been the first place I go to, but hey. Yeah, interesting paper. For sure. Definitely recommend it. And who knows, maybe at some point it will, uh, the next couple of years, it will be done in hospitals. Yes. Before we, okay, we should probably also mention that this is a paper by Okabe et al. Mm -hmm. And that they did this uh, fantastic research in... Where did they do it? Uh, Japan, I think. I see Kyoto and uh, Japan. Yes. Tokyo. Yeah, but they have people like from different departments as well. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, it is cool. Yeah, definitely. Also explains why they did so many um, different animals, I guess. I guess. I mean... I don't know. For me personally, still the, the rat sort of seemed excessive because it was just like a slightly bigger mouse and you could do everything already in the mouse. So I was wondering like why exactly the rat, but okay. Yeah. Higher impact. Yeah. I, I often come to the conclusion that you need at least three animal uh, models to get a high impact paper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. I once read a paper where they tried to give a high fat diet to fruit flies just to get the paper into nature. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was uh, funny. I did see somewhere here that they also had a video. I wonder. No, I didn't see. No, what, we're didn't. not. We're not watching the video. No, <laughs> I'm vetoing this. Traumatized for life. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Listen to the, this podcast and don't watch the video, please. There are two videos. Yeah, <laughs> supplemental. No. Mm, brilliant. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, if you have any question, you can reach out via our website, thestrugglingscientist.com, or via our email address, thestrugglingscientist.hotmail.com. Yeah, you can also reach us on social media, either on our uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Uh, Struggling Scientist on pretty much all of those. Yes. And we hope you enjoyed this episode again. And uh, if you have any comments, ideas, uh, questions, or uh, recommendations for great papers, Please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Yes. And please also leave a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. We've been told that helps. So, uh, yes. Yeah. Help us out if you enjoyed this episode. Thank you. Bye. Bye.